Anderson charges out. Still wins. Pulls it down once. Now throws intercepted. Damian Wilson with the interception. There into the first chapter for Ben Roethlisberger. Chaka Roethlisberger throws catch. They hand the ball inside. Ball security paramount. Two hands on it. Claypool in motion. Hand off. Harris trying to get to the outside. He does. The rookie turns the corner. First down, Steelers. They put their trust in Chris Boswell. 36-yard attempt. Kuntz will snap it. Harvin will hold it. Oh, man. That's it for NFL Sunday. This is interesting to see your daily sports podcast about news, narratives, takes, and gambling. I'm Nick. What a way to end the season. Unfing believable, to be honest. It's crazy. The last weekend of NFL Sunday football was the best. It was not close. Thanks for hanging out with me on a Monday morning. We're going to cruise through this because there's just so much to talk about, so many storylines we're going to be unpacking for a while. In the business, so they say, this is what's known as Black Monday. A coach is getting fired. We know for sure one coach is out already. That would be Vic Fangio of the Denver Broncos. Joe Judge is on the hot seat. Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings, he's on the hot seat. That seems like it's going to be all but wrapped up. Other than that, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell who's going to be going. We'll figure out what's going on with the Seahawks, figure out what's going on uh, – yeah, with the Giants and Joe Judge, like I don't know. It's good. I think I think three to five guys will be let go today, but um, it's hard to say who. So let's go through the action, the clips you heard right there in our intro. Carson Wentz throwing an interception to the Jaguars. The Colts implode. The Raiders and the Chargers. The prisoners dilemma tie thing. If you want to sound intelligent, we'll talk about that in a moment because it came down to it. It could have been. It was so close. It, it was an overtime. Three overtime games yesterday. That was one of them. And the Steelers beating the Ravens in overtime yesterday as well. Lots of storylines, lots of good football. A couple of games that happened. Some of the games that just happened also had good storylines. The Bengals beat the Browns, and we find out this is where we'll start. Baker Mayfield is expected to be back with the Cleveland Browns. He has a fifth-year option um, that the team has to pick up. It ends up being quite a bit of money, but it's not the same thing as an enormous deal like, say, a Mahomes or a Josh Allen would get. So... Cleveland's here or there. His personality is so great. He just, toward the end of the season, he got hurt and he just, he, he got in his own head. He couldn't hit open receivers. So the Cleveland Browns beat the Bengals. Bengals were resting guys. That doesn't matter. Over the weekend on Saturday, the Eagles get demolished against the Dallas Cowboys. The Eagles were sitting guys because the Cowboys had something to play for and the Eagles did not. They sat pretty much everybody except for Jason Kelsey, the star center of the Philadelphia Eagles, the guy that gave the famous parade speech and Travis Kelsey's older brother, he is amazing and probably the most popular athlete in Philly history. He's right up there. He had a streak of 121 consecutive games starting started, so they gave him the first snap and then they pulled him. Pretty great moment there. There are rumblings on Twitter with people with blue check marks that this that may have been his last game at Lincoln Financial Field. Other games from around the NFL yesterday, the Lions and the Packers. The Packers play their starters for the first half and they go into halftime trailing the Lions. Uh, 17-13, the Lions end up holding on. So Jacksonville and Detroit win. So if Jack- Jacksonville beat the Colts, which is an enormous upset, and the 
the Lions beat the Packers, which was also an enormous upset, even with the starters out for the second half. Um, but the Jags win. If the Lions had lost on purpose, they would have gotten the number one overall pick. And the Jags, if they had lost on purpose, they would have gotten the number one overall pick. There really isn't. This is going to be one of the weirdest and stupidest and lamest drafts of all time. There aren't a lot of freaks. There's one generational player, but people don't really know what to make of him. So there's no real reason to tank. So they didn't. They played hard. The Jags completely spoiled the Colts. The Colts' streak of not winning a game in Jacksonville extends for another year. It's been something like seven straight games in Jacksonville. The Colts have lost now, which is just hilarious, guys. It's just so funny. So the Lions and the Packers, they they figure things out there. The Packers had the one seed sewed up. The Lions would be picking second overall in the NFL draft. Another almost upset happened. The Texans almost beat the Titans. The Titans had to keep everybody in to the very end. They were up by like 14, but then the Texans came roaring back. If you want to sound really smart and have a hot take, Davis Mills has looked the best of all the rookie quarterbacks this year. He's got an incredible arm. He came out kind of a year early, and the Texans picked him in the third round. He was eligible to come back to school. I think he was at Stanford. And I'll be honest, it'd be hard not to say he'd be a top five pick in this year's NFL draft. He looks really good, and he's not in a great situation. He looks way better at playing quarterback than Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence and all those guys. But the Texans were not quite able to hold on. The Saints needed to win, and they needed the, the Niners to lose to get into the playoffs. The Saints won. The Niners come all the way back against the Rams. This is the first time ever in Sean McVay's head coaching history that the Rams had a huge lead at halftime, or any lead. He was 40, like 49-0 and 0 or something when leading at the half, 17-3. to 3. The Niners come all the way back in the final minutes. Matthew Stafford throws some ridiculous interceptions. He just That game was such a Stafford game. Terrible throws, terrible craft, and an enormous game-winning drive that ended up not being a game-winning drive because they played soft coverage and they go to overtime. And the Niners run it down their throat and they end up getting the, the victory. So the Niners get into the playoffs. The Rams win the division. This is the third time in Matthew Stafford's career that he has lost the last game of the season with enormous playoff implications on the line. Nay, this is the fourth time. Nay, this is the third time in Matthew Stafford's career. This is a fact that he has had an opportunity to win the game and win the division, and he has lost it. 2014 against the Packers, 2016 against the Packers, and now 2021 against the San Francisco 49ers. The boogeyman comes back for Sean McVay, who just cannot, for the life of him, beat Kyle Shanahan and Matthew Stafford for the life of him, cannot win a big game with any stakes. On the line, the Saints beat the Falcons, whatever, like I mentioned. The Cardinals beat, or the Seahawks beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals were taking it easy. They had a lot to play for in the division, but they were also, I mean, I checked in on that game. They were being a little cautious. Great, probable final game together for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. Who the hell knows? Uh, the Panthers gave the Bucks all they had, then the Bucks woke up and got pissed off. The Dolphins, they help out the Bills. So the Bills and the Patriots had the same record going into the weekend. They split their games against each other. So uh, I think a tie would have gone to the Bills if they had both lost or both won. But one needed to win and the other needed to lose to make it easy. The Bills beat the Jets 27-10, uh, to 10, and the Dolphins dummied the Patriots. They dummied them off of pick six, which I considered putting in the intro, but I decided not to. So all this stuff is all the storylines. Let's go. Let's get into, right, that's all the facts. Let's get into some of the storylines. First storyline, this is just a funny one. Let's ask Patrick Mahomes uh, about... <laughs> um, how uh, scoop and scores and what it's like to be scooped and scored on. Remember, because the, the the Chiefs they beat the Broncos. They look like garbage. We'll talk about them as we preview the playoffs. He scoop and scores. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, what do you have to say about scoop and scores? You think when you saw Nick Bolton scoop and score? I thought he 
if y'all saw, he almost went forward. Uh, no offense to Daniel Jones, but he almost gave one of those. Oh, remember when Daniel Jones had that big touchdown and he almost fell down? Speaking of the Giants, let's get to them. Uh, man, I saw the the most cowardly thing I've ever seen in professional sports in my life. Twice inside his own 10-yard line, Joe Judge ran a QB sneak. Once on second and 11 from the three-yard line. Three-yard line, second and 11. This is the, There's five minutes left in the half. And on second and 11, he runs a QB sneak. And then on the next play, this. Updated at the half. Interesting formation. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, really, you're at the Two sneaks in a row. And, and Listen you're to the booze. Oh, man. Up inside the one yard line. I mean, this is sad. I mean, that, that is just a, a complete lack of confidence. In tra- that is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen anything like a coach. Like, you want a QB sneak from, like, the two or three to get some space to run a play? He literally he snuck twice in a row to punt. Keeping it with the Giants, if you want to, uh, if you're on YouTube, you can see how much tickets we're going for for the last game of the season. All of the blue are tickets that are available. It's the whole stadium, and there were tickets as cheap as six dollars. And there weren't just t- tickets as cheap as six dollars. There were a lot of tickets available for as low as eight dollars, which is just unbelievable. The Giants are in rock bottom. Uh, two weeks ago, we heard that Joe Judge was going to keep his job. Now there are rumblings on Twitter that he, people in the building, will believe he's fired. Apparently. All of his players hate him. And those are reports from people who know what's going on. All right, let's get to this Chargers and Raiders thing. Well, well actually, you know, is there anything else we want to get to? Um, no, let's do. Let's go ahead and do Chargers and Raiders. There's other stuff we could do later in the week. So Chargers and Raiders, we talked about the prisoner's dilemma thing where if they both tie, they get in. All of the stuff that needed to happen, uh, specifically the Colts losing, that happened, and now the Chargers and Raiders are in a situation where they have to tie. We've explained, and everybody explained, what the prisoner's dilemma is and why it doesn't make any sense to take a knee for two and a half hours. However, after being up by 15, the Raiders were allowed the Chargers to get back in the game. The Chargers converted like five consecutive fourth downs, including fourth and double digits three times, to tie the game as time expired. I thought about putting that in there, but might as well do the kick because it was more exciting in the home crowd or whatever. So now we're going to overtime. Okay, this is get a little weird. Maybe we could do the, the take a knee thing now. No, you got to play to win. Prisoner's dilemma. The way that overtime works, you get a touchdown right away, or if you get a field goal, the other team gets a chance to get the ball. Chargers win the kick, they get a field goal. Okay. Uh, oh, no, excuse me. Raiders, the Raiders get the kick, they get a field goal. Chargers get a kick, they get a field goal. So we're tied again. Each team has had a possession in overtime. The Raiders have the ball around the 48-yard line, too long for a field goal. It's third and six. There are 38 seconds left. There's not enough timeouts. Every I think the Chargers had one. I think the Raiders had one. And the Chargers use it. The clock is running third and six from about the 48-yard line. The Raiders had the ball too far for a field goal, and the Chargers call timeout. This timeout is going to be what everybody's talking about here because people are people believe that by calling a timeout, Brandon Staley triggered the prisoner's dilemma. Okay, so this is what happened it appeared as if the Raiders were just going to run very safe plays because with 39 seconds left, a turnover is something crazy happening around midfield. You give your opponent with the best, you know, most raw, talented guy in the NFL, top three, the ball back, and they don't need a lot of yards. They can spike it and get a field goal. They're pro kickers. They can make 60 yarders. So many believe that with 39 seconds left in the game tied, 
and so much more at risk than there is to gain by trying to win with at that point. You can't do this for two and a half hours because you're in control of the situation. The Chargers had one timeout and they used it. So instead of allowing the Raiders to allow the clock to run out, which is what many believed, right? Many believe that's what the Raiders were going to do. Brandon said he calls timeout, which signals to the Raiders, right? The Raiders then think that Brandon said he's trying to make them run a play so they can get the ball back with 40 seconds left and try to win. I've heard the argument online that Brandon said they called the timeout so that the Raiders would punt and then they would get the ball so that they could take a knee, but that's not how it works. This is the exact thing that's in the prisoner's dilemma. Brandon Staley broke the wink-wink, nod-nod thing that was happening with less than a minute left. The Raiders were stalling. So they come out of the timeout, and they run a play, they get the first down, and then they kick the game-winning field goal. That timeout is what's going to be debated here. Now, it's also true that the Chargers had nine and a half or ten guys on the field at the time, so maybe they give up the touchdown. Either way, it was stupid. But more importantly, we have confirmed that the timeout from Derek Carr in postgame comments said that the timeout called by Brandon Staley changed his thinking. It changed what the Raiders were going to do. It changed their mindset. At that point in time, the Raiders were ready to kneel the ball, and we know that. I have the clip. So this is from Barstool Sports. Uh, they got it from a guy called Real Super Dave, and it's a tweet, and you, it's just lip reading. So we'll, we'll break this down for the folks at home. This is Austin Eckler, and he's talking to number 47, which looks like a long snapper to me. I don't know. So should we do full screen? Will that work? I don't know that it'll work. Maybe we'll do a, a bigger window. Uh, that's not going to help. Okay. So there's the window. It's Austin Eckler postgame. They're talking to each other. Now, if we go through it closely, let's read what he asks, okay? Here he goes. Were you going to take a knee? And the guy's like, yeah. And Austin Eckler rolls his eyes like, man. Let's, do, let's look at it one more time. I'm going to mute this. Here we go. You're taking a knee? Man. Yep. It was confirmed. They were going to let the clock run out so they could both get into the playoffs. And the char- the Steelers, the most ironic thing about this is the team that loses from all of this is the Steelers who are at home having to watch. And the tie happened naturally? Wow. What? What a mess. Can't help but love that, though, that it almost happened naturally. Many people will say it was the game of the year or one of the greatest games um, greatest regular season games that they've ever seen. I would say it's probably, you know, top top five, top ten, somewhere in there. Unbelievable story. Okay, let's move to some things outside of football before we preview the national championship. Uh, first things first, RIP to a high school hockey player named Teddy Balkind. He uh, suffered a freak accident and died during a hockey game, he his throat was cut by a skate, and there's really nothing else to say other than that. I, I don't. I think that he was pronounced dead either upon arrival at a hospital. The uh, the odds of this happening are obviously incredibly low, um, but just a tragic story, and this has sparked a big debate in the hockey world about requiring kids to wear neck guards. They're not probably going to save anybody from any sort of neck injury. And if you're playing at an appropriate level for you, it's very unlikely that you'll suffer a neck injury in hockey. Um, The only time that really happens is when the skaters are so much faster and so much stronger than you that you're at kind of risk for that. But if you're playing at the appropriate level, that's rare. This is even rarer. But is it worth preventing by requiring neck guards? I mean, the the odds of this happening are so low. But yeah, I mean, it's a kid. The, The state of New York and people who protect children need to consider that and but mostly just thoughts and prayers to the family, man. That is just unbelievable. Like, how do you go to school? How do you play sports anymore? Crazy. All right, well, we'll get back to the uh, NBA here in a moment. Some crazy things happened in the, the association. Clay Thompson 
is back from his injury. I forget what it was. Uh, I don't remember what it was. I don't really care. It was, it was a ligament of some sort. Maybe it was a bone. It was something. And he comes back with this he electrifying dunk. Let's watch it. Here we go. Watch Clay. Oh. Welcome back to the show, bud. Uh, I think he's healthy. The guy's been waiting a long time to say that. Welcome back, Clay. What's up? John Morant, the star for the Memphis Grizzlies, had a huge block. And Nick Saban, getting off the plane for the national champion, had this to say. Hey, Nick. How you feeling? Well, I think the most important thing is you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Man, what a savant. He's got a dope leather bomber jacket right there. Everybody on the internet says Bamba by a billion. However, let's preview the national championship coming up tonight. It kicks off at, like, way past my bedtime, I think. Is it 8 p.m. Eastern? It says 6 p.m. here. Hold on. Let's Google this. National Championship Football. My my sports book still thinks I'm in the West Coast. I am not. <sighs> 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. God damn it. Why? On a Monday? Ah. Anyway, for the second time in like 97 games, Alabama are underdogs. The last time they were underdogs was two games ago against Georgia. Georgia Bulldogs are favored by three, two and a half points, excuse me. The total is 52 and a half. Let's play everyone's favorite game. Nick figures out the implied line. It is 24-28. Bam, that took almost no time. Ish. It's about 24-28. Not quite. Nope. 29-26? No. Damn it, I was so close. Uh, 28-25. Yeah, 28-25 is right. 28-25 is the implied line. Um, man, I don't know. I got nothing to say about this game other than if Georgia doesn't throw the ball a lot better, they're going to lose, probably by a lot. I have no idea why Vegas thinks that they're so much better because they stopped the run game against Michigan. They just Michigan is Michigan. That's weird. It seems like there's a lot of money to be made. How the Wait. It's plus 115 for Bama money line? What is going on? Do they know something? What is happening? That makes no sense. Does it make any? Does it make sense to anybody that Alabama are the underdogs here, by three? Yeah, that makes no. That makes that that makes no sense to me. That seems like just complete, utter garbage. I don't understand what that's about. I guess Mechie is her the wide receiver, the star wide receiver towards ACL, but the Jamison guy who's also a star wide receiver. Everybody in Alabama is a star, but that guy is fine. And it doesn't matter because. The quarterback is fine. Are they going to get more pass rush? I don't know why. what this is about. That has to be about the injury. Because you can't get hoodwinked into thinking them dummying Michigan meant anything against Alabama. Michigan doesn't have a quarterback. Weird. I didn't even... Yeah, I'm taking Alabama. Alabama is, is the favorite until they are dead. They are the favorite until they are no longer eligible to win the national championship. Period. I don't understand how long it's going to take... For that to happen. But there's some cool uh, stuff happening. The two best defensive players in the country are not Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau. They are Will Anderson and Jordan Davis. They're defensive linemen for Alabama and Georgia, respectively. They'll be on display. N'Kobe Dean, the middle linebacker for Georgia, is amazing. The wide receivers for Alabama are fun. There's one thing to watch that I think is kind of funny. People misunderstand just how short and tiny Bryce Young is. He's much closer to, like, Kyler Murray than he is, like, a Baker Mayfield. So just <laughs> once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. I'm pretty sure he's smaller than Stetson Bennett the fourth quarterback for Georgia. I like Alabama in this game. I don't know. I just sometimes it's exactly what it seems like. We'll be back in better than ever. Tomorrow we'll be unpacking more NFL stuff. Got a lot of news I'm sure coming out. Black Monday, uh, Prisoner's Dilemma, arguments, blah, blah, blah. NFL playoffs start on Saturday. We'll be previewing it all week long. NBA and NHL news as well. Like, rate, review, subscribe. I'm on YouTube. If you go to YouTube, you don't have to watch it. Just click it. 
greatly appreciated.